I have a quick announcement before we get started with the show today. Uh, Rebecca and I have been experimenting with StreamYard, and we'd like to start adding some live streaming content to the show. So next Saturday, a week from yesterday, we're planning on doing an AMA, uh, which is, for those of you who don't know, an Ask Me Anything. So what we're going to be doing is going live on Facebook uh, through StreamYard. And it's going to be a great way for listeners to participate in the show. So you can ask any questions you want in the live chat. There is going to be an announcement going up on Facebook as well. So if you're not able to make it for the live chat, feel free to post some questions in the comment section of the announcement. We'll try to get to some of those as well. The audio from that AMA will become an episode of The Messy Studio. So you'll be able to hear your questions answered. Also, uh... We're both in the middle of moving, uh, so the audio quality on this episode is once again a little bit diminished. Uh, We were working in a rented space, a rented office space, that we're probably going to be using for future episodes for the next month or so. So once again, I apologize for any lapse in audio quality, um, and we're going to try to get back to that higher standard as soon as possible. All right, that's it for now. On with the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about our powerful words. Words that we say and the words we remember being said to us can have an impact that goes far beyond the moment in which they are spoken. For better or for worse, many of us remember things said to us decades ago. And we have all said things that have lodged in other people's minds in an equally powerful way. And most of the time, we don't even realize that has happened. While we may say and receive words that are meant to have an impact, other times it is a casual remark that looms large in retrospect. Today, we look at the ways we are influenced and can influence others with our words, including how words can affect our creative selves and others. With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. So, yeah, we're going to take this on kind of a broad way because obviously, you know, our creative lives intersect with um, all other aspects of our lives. And sometimes um, the words that we uh, remember and respond to affect how we feel about ourselves and, and how we are able to focus on what we're doing or our general sense of power, purpose, self-respect, all those things are tied in with the feedback that we get from other people. So it's not easy to separate out, well, this is about art and this is about life. So we're going to we're gonna come at this a little bit broadly, but I do think that um, we are quite vulnerable to other people's words about what we do creatively. Um, and it is an area of our lives that other people may not particularly understand, or they may understand really well and be able to tell us things that are really, really helpful. Um, And sometimes our words just affect, they play on an insecurity for better or for worse. Yes. And, And they touch a nerve. And usually, unless we know somebody really well, and we know exactly what to say in order to hurt them or to help them, those things are unintentional. And uh, it's something that we realize we do on this podcast all the time. It's a little intimidating, actually, to know. I mean, you want to be able to speak freely, and then sometimes things come back to you for better or for worse. Oh, I remember when you said this thing or that thing. Well, you may not even remember it. 
we, you know, to be able to speak freely, you have to sort of put aside uh, things that are unintentional. Right. And you can't be thinking about it all the time. You no. know, is, is this thing that I'm saying right now going to really affect somebody else? But it's our words have an immense amount of power. Right. And I think it it's it's so important when you are trying to be intentional <laughs> to be aware of that. Um, and I think especially for people that are involved in things like teaching and writing and mentoring, um, they are consciously uh, podcasting. They are consciously directing um, people to pay attention to their words. And so, you know, have a huge responsibility in being careful. Um, and at the same time, you know, we have to be who we are, we have to speak freely. So it's, it's quite a balance to, to achieve, um, especially it, when you're talking to a lot of people as we are here, or when you write something that goes out into the world. Um, it's, it's a little intimidating, actually. Right. And <laughs> honesty is important, too. You need yes. to continue to be honest with people, even when it's difficult. Yes, it is. Um, and that, I think that is something that if you if you generally present yourself as a caring person, as a thoughtful person, then if you say something that hits somebody wrong, I hope and believe they'd be more likely to say, well, you know, we all have the, those moments or we all have those little blind spots where we may something say something that could impact somebody negatively. Um, and and we, we simply don't know. People... People hear things um, according to their own point of view, according to their own receptors, you might say, <laughs> things they are sensitive about, things that are part of their lives. Um, and as you speak to anyone, and this is just even in daily conversation, you don't know um, what those receptors are. And so it's not your it's not your responsibility to know them. I mean, sometimes you can say something that it seems very innocuous when you say it. And yet for someone else hearing it, it's pushing some kind of a button. And, and you can't, there's nothing you can do about that. I mean, that's just part of being human, I think. Yeah, everyone has individual trauma and things that you wouldn't necessarily think are, are a triggering event for them. Right. But, but they are. And it's, yeah. I, I think that we need to have a, a certain amount of um, forgiveness for people. Ba when their words affect us negatively or when they when their actions affect us negatively if it's not something that is an obvious slight yeah yeah and and i mean i i feel like as we become mature adults we do learn what our own points of possibly being open to being hurt are and that we you know generally forgive people or understand other people don't know that um and i, I just think that as as people talking to other people, whether individually or in a larger context, not to be too inhibited by that. Right. And, and, and it does come up with, with creative work, with artwork. Um, I feel like it's important to phrase communication with people who are doing creative work in a way that is as open as possible to what they are doing, what they are trying to say. Um, to not shut people down, to listen to their ideas, um, to not be too authoritative or dictatorial about what they're doing, because it's all creative expression. 
And even if they're not expressing it very well at the moment, they probably do have something to say. And so you as the person teaching, listening, helping them, critiquing them, um, need to be as sensitive as possible to what they're trying to do. Um, and to say, well, how could that be made better? And unfortunately, it sounds kind of common sense, but unfortunately, there's a lot of times that doesn't happen. And I think a lot of people that have been um, sort of hurt by things as they develop their own creative practice, things were said to them that were maybe not even meant to be negative, but were very opinionated. <laughs> right. And then their default position is defensive. Uh-huh. And if you give them any criticism at all, they get defensive. Yeah, yeah. But and I think that's why it's important to to always have something positive to say, um, which can be difficult at times. Sometimes you're looking at a hot mess, and <laughs> but yes. it's but the, you know you got to understand that somebody put work into this. And that's the thing. Yeah, and so, and you yeah, I try to you try to get back to what yeah what what were they thinking when they did it? What were they trying to do? And honor that I suppose and say okay let's let's take it from there <laughs> you know I can help you shape and form this in a better way and sometimes you know just having your eyes on it is so important um, they're eager to hear what you have to say and other times not so much you know <laughs> so that's also a, an area of sensitivity um, and I remember somebody saying something to me I had invited a friend into the studio and I had all this stuff up on the wall and this friend said, um, which pieces would you like me to talk about? And I thought that was really a good approach because there were some things up there that I realized I didn't want to hear his opinion on. <laughs> I knew they weren't very good. And so to, to spend time on things that to me were not very far along or were not at a point of being talked about, um, it was helpful to just weed things out right away. And so... Yeah, that's a kind of a tip. If you're if you're in someone's studio and looking at what they do, you know, what would you like me to focus on, or what what are your questions, or anything like that to to avoid some of those pitfalls, I suppose, of stumbling into some hot mess, as you say, <laughs> and and trying to be helpful, you know. Um, and as I said, you know, I think I think young people we're, we're all vulnerable to things that sound negative, but I, I think uh, growing up. I think we're we're both open to good advice and vulnerable to negativity, especially through a certain age of until maturity when you start to understand that sometimes when people say things, it's because it's all about them. <laughs> you know, if they're saying something negative, it may well be all about their own perspective, their own point of view. And I don't know, I was thinking about some of the positive things that had been said to me um, as a younger person. And one of them came from my father, and I was really young. I was probably seven or eight. I came home from school, and I'd had a really bad day of some sort. You know, I was, I remember I was in my room crying about something. And he came in, and he sat down on the bed, and he just said, you know, he just kind of sat there and, like, was with me while I cried. It was really sweet. And then he said, you know, a day is just what you make it. And I can't tell you, it's it's kind of, it's a simple statement. But to me, it was, as a child, it was a powerful statement to realize, oh, do I have some say in this? Do, it, do my own attitudes and responses form my day as much as the things that just come at me? And it, 
you know, it's something I've thought about often over the years. You know, if I think to myself, oh, I've had a bad day. And then I think, well, what, what is my own responsibility in that bad day? Could I have responded better? Could I have put that aside? And so the simple thing said to a child has, has really, you know, come back to me many times. I don't know if he planned to say it. I think it just came out, you know, I think it was just a spontaneous reaction, but it was, um, it was actually kind of, it was both empathic and kind of putting it on me, actually. Like, I understand you're upset, but hey, you know, you have to deal with this. And so that was, that was a good one. Um, and I thought about some other things later in life. Um, a couple things one of my painting teachers said to me, and I know I've repeated this one before, but he told me that um, the more personal something is, the more universal. And that actually comes back later in a different form. It's something someone said to me in graduate school, and I'll get to that in a second. But but the other thing that this person, Anders Schaefer, said to me was, I had done this painting, which was, I thought, I know now, and I like the painting, I know now it was probably the most personal painting I'd done. It was a really somewhat quirky, odd um, uh, painting. And he said, to me, that's your first masterpiece. (laughs) I was so taken aback. I mean, I think masterpiece was a bit overstated. But to say that to a college student who is struggling to understand what they're doing, it really had an impact. And of course, I paid a lot of attention to what I had done in that painting because of that form of praises. This is not somebody who was going around saying this to everybody every day. So, you know, it really had an impact. And then later in graduate school, one of my instructors said almost the opposite to me. So then I really had to think. And he said to me, um, he was looking at some things I'd done that were pretty autobiographical about some things that were happening. I'd been in a, a bicycle wreck and there were um, pictures of me, uh, you know, self-portraits of me with my jaw wired together and things like that, which I, I thought were quite profound um, because of this accident. And he said, you know, we don't really want to read your diary. We don't really want to see your journal. And I th- then I'm trying to put these two things together. Well, but these are personal, but he's saying it's almost too personal. It's kind of like how you, you don't like it when people post pictures of their injuries on, <laughs> oh, on maybe Facebook. Maybe that was it. <laughs> but I think it was also, I think maybe it was a little bit more somehow about that it was too self-centered, that it was all on me, that I had this very specific accident. Yes, it was personal, but I think the idea of it being like a journal, those would be things you might just only share with yourself that I don't know. It still puzzles me a little bit. I think there's truth in both statements. Um, And that in being personal, you also aim for something universal. Um, And that there's maybe just something, maybe it wasn't positive enough. Maybe my images were all about being hurt and there was no transcendent quality to it, which does, you know, is maybe more universal. But yeah, I always remembered it and I still think about it. I still kind of what was that all about? Because this guy, this teacher, Rip Woods, was very, uh, very smart, very almost um, psychic in the things he would say to people. Um, so those are just a, a couple things that I, you know, remember um, from my own life. And I think that when people tell you things, the most impactful things they say come from their own authentic experience. They're not just repeating something that's kind of a cliche or like, you know, tomorrow will be a better day or something. 
they're speaking from something that happened to them. Uh, Let's take a quick minute to talk about what's new with Cold Wax Academy. Rebecca and her partner, Jerry McLaughlin, are wrapping up an exciting spring quarter and have announced their lineup of topics for summer quarter, which begins July 7th. Their weekly live interactive sessions will focus on mark making, composition, and on setting and following intentions to create strong, cohesive work. But you don't have to wait for the new quarter to join the Academy. All sessions are recorded and fully accessible in the member library. And you can watch and rewatch at your own pace. In addition, joining at any time gives you access to all the perks of membership and the benefits of being part of a growing, knowledgeable community of other artists. And for a limited time, Jerry and Rebecca are offering a new membership level that provides access to their extensive video workshop only. The cost is just $249 for six weeks of streaming access. Plenty of time to watch and re-watch all the in-depth content provided in this unique video. So once again, that's coldwaxacademy.com. All right, let's get back into it. Yeah, so um, I, I also wanted to, to talk a little bit about um, things that, that you have said when you were in that position as a teacher. Um, I, I know we went to, to go see our, our friend Jim Sherberth, um, and we'll probably talk more about that visit in the future. Um, but he did mention to you that a pivotal moment in his art career was you just treating him as an artist in a yeah, workshop. Yeah, calling him an artist, yeah. Yeah, he did say that that, that really um, had an impact on him and uh, wasn't something... I, it, for me, it was just completely ordinary because that's how I think of the people that come to my workshops. So that's a good example of it wasn't a big deal to me, but it was a big deal to him. Right, and, and just how we treat people in, mm-hmm. in our everyday lives yeah. has, has a, a, a profound impact on people. And I often think about instances that where I, I had an interaction with somebody who I never knew before and I've never spoken to since, mm-hmm. and um, where I know that I had an impact on them. Mm. And just by being a decent human being. Yes. Um, so one of these instances happened recently. Um, I, I had made a, um, a trip down to Florida um, to look for a house. And we did end up putting an offer onto a house down there. Um, but the, the trip down was uh, travel hell. <laughs> and uh, I, in order to, because it was leading up to Memorial Day weekend, um, it was very difficult to get a direct flight. And so what I ended up doing was flying into Atlanta and renting a car. And the the first car that I rented turned out to essentially be a scam. And I had to make last minute arrangements. And long story short, I, I got down there. Everything was fine. Um, but I had to deal with this charge for this uh, rental car that I didn't end up taking that mm. that was essentially a scam, and I got on the phone with a representative from the the booking uh, platform that I'd used, and um, this this poor guy, um, his job was basically to just tell people no. Yeah, <laughs> and and so I I got on the phone with him and I explained the situation. And he he put me on hold for for quite a long time, and I was I was driving. I didn't care. I was I'll sit on on hold for you know twenty minutes or half hour, and so that he finally comes back and he says, uh, you know, unfortunately, we're not able to issue a refund. And 
uh, I said, I said, why not? You know, this is the situation. He said, well, because it, we've we've passed the the point where you can do a cancellation, um, and I don't have the authority to do that for yeah. you. And and I said, well, can you put me on the phone with somebody who who does have the authority to handle this? And he said, no, unfortunately, I can't. You can try calling back. Maybe you can talk to somebody who else who has that authority. And it was I've been in the in his place before. And typically you can pass somebody along to a manager or to escalations. There's something that you can do for people. And I realized that this, this poor guy, his entire job is just to get screamed at. Oh man. And, and I said, you know, I, Hey, I've, I've had a heck of a bad day and I'm probably out a few hundred bucks, but man, I feel sorry for you. I can't believe that, that your employer puts you in this situation where your entire job is to get screamed at by customers. And you, and I, I told him, I know you went to bat for me. You put me on hold and you went and talked to somebody and you tried to get them to do something for me. And they said, Nope, go back and tell them no and get screamed at. Oh, and that's your entire job. This is every day of your life. Yeah. So you showed empathy. Yeah. I was not expecting. No. And, uh, and he started crying actually (gasps) on the phone with me. Um, yeah. And, uh, uh, he, he completely like broke down and, and he was like, I was not expecting that. Nobody has ever said anything nice to me on the phone before. Um, imagine. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's, that's a great example of kind of, you know, breaking through all the barriers that are in your way, connecting with him as a human, right? putting aside your own feelings and just being empathic. And Um, I, and I told him, um, you know, you're better than this job. I hope, I hope that you'll, I hope that you'll find, I I told him I'm done doing business with your company. Yeah. Um, they've lost my business, but I, I know that you're better than this and I hope that you can find a better position. Yeah. And he was, he was crying and I told him, I know you probably don't have the ability to hang up the phone with me. Um, but, uh, if you need a minute, <laughs> you know, oh, gosh. I'll stay on the phone. I wonder with you. if they were monitoring that. Call. I, you know, honestly, I hope that they were, <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. hope that they were. Um, oh, man. and, uh, and I, and I truly, you know, I, I, I told him, Hey, I'm going to be praying for you and I hope that you find something better. And I, and I genuinely mean that. Yeah. And, uh, but just having, just, just being able to, to have a human connection with somebody, even if right. you're, even for a minute, even for something trivial um you know treating service people with Mm -hmm. with respect they get they get uh, put down so much yeah and i think i think a lot of us lose sight of opportunities to give positive feedback um in specific ways i mean a lot of us will say thank you thank you for that but then to say well i really appreciate the way you did this or that and i think those are the things that we remember when people say to us you did this very well, this, this thing, and not just, well, thanks, you know? And I think as, as people considering our own words, that to be as specific, and I realize, you know, I, along with everybody else can probably improve with that because it's, you know, it's easy to just say a blanket, well, thanks a lot or something, but there are a lot of situations where you could point out something uh, that was a little more personal, maybe. Um, and I think that there there are some barriers that we feel even in just um, expressing gratitude. You know, we may just sort of say, well, I'm entitled to that or something, you know, but to to be 
gracious, to be thankful, to be kind is, I mean, you know, this is, it is actually connected to creativity, I think, because the more that you receive that and the more that you give that, you know, as your life is enhanced, it does, it does enhance your, your work. And, you know, I also feel that it's sometimes it's hard to receive gratitude or to receive um, good messages from people, powerful words. I don't know exactly why that is, but I, I sometimes have trouble accepting when people say good things to me, which they do. They say, they say to us about the podcast, they say, to me about teaching or about my work. And I always feel grateful. I always feel touched. And yet, it's hard for me to really, really understand where that's coming from. There, a lot of people have some barrier. When, when another person really opens up and says, you have really, really helped me. Um, it's kind of hard to understand how that can be. I guess just because we're all inside our own heads. Yeah, we tend to take um, the people closest to us for granted. And uh, I, I mean, who are we closer to than our, ourselves? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you, we take ourselves for granted. Exactly. We say, hey, what's the big deal? We're just doing what we do. You yeah. know? <laughs> no, I think that's exactly true. And, and if at the same time, you could turn around and, and say to somebody else, wow, you know, what you're doing is really impactful and not really see it in yourself. Well, and that that may be kind of a a blind spot for myself because I I think it's so important to express gratitude for the people in our lives, and I I try to do it every single day. Um, You know, I I try to say kind things to my wife every day, uh, you know, and tell her her that I love her and that I'm very happy that she married me and stuff like that, and I, I try to do that every single day. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, when, when we have kids, I'm going to try to do that with my kids. Um, but I don't really do that with myself. I don't really. Right. We're kind of mean to ourselves. Yeah. (laughs) I don't really think, wow, I'm really glad that I did that. Or I'm, you know, I'm really thankful that I have this skill or that. Yeah. I mean, maybe our, our words to ourselves have much more impact than we realize. And too often our words to ourselves are not not the kindest things that we would say to someone else or the most forgiving or the most, you know, I think a lot of people struggle with that um, negative self-talk and not even negative, but just failing to acknowledge, you know, what you've done is very common because we probably all have higher goals than we're actually (laughs) reaching. Um, And then we look around and say, uh, yeah, well, I'm not there, so it's not that great. <laughs> right. And it's, it becomes much easier to absorb any negative influences from outside when we don't have that, that armor, that, you know, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that positivity that, uh, you know, focused on ourselves and not just what's, what's yeah. around us. The and other if people we acknowledge that words have power, then giving ourselves maybe some better words is a powerful thing. And I know it's, it's very standard practice and a lot of talk therapy and, um, you know, therapeutic approaches to give yourself positive words. It's hard to maintain that, you know, you could do it consciously for a while and then you kind of forget about it. <laughs> but, but it is powerful when you do it, you can feel it. Um, right. And it, can and- be, it can be a struggle. And forgiveness may be like a whole other podcast, but yes. <laughs> a, a lot of this goes back to, um, you know, forgiving other people yes. and and trying to and, and being able to forgive yourself. Yes. 
It is all tied in together. <laughs> and I, I, I think, you know, as we, as we talk about the positive things and the negative things, I think we've all been in situations where um, we said something and we think about it later and we think, I, I wonder if that was the right thing to, to say. Was that the right, was that actually a helpful thing to say? Did it sound critical? All those kind of things. And it sort of brings up the question of where is our responsibility um, when we say things to other people. And I think we have to acknowledge that we just can't censor everything we say, nor should we, because we have to give the other person credit for being able to weed things out as well. Um, well, and it they, comes they can off choose as, to re- disregard what we right. say. It, it comes off as dishonest if you if you are afraid to say anything uh, yeah. that it that would possibly negatively impact somebody else. If you only mm-hmm. say positive things, um, you know, then then it's it doesn't seem genuine, right? And sometimes, depending on your personality, you may have the urge to apologize or take it back or say, I hope I didn't hurt your feelings and that kind of thing. Sometimes that's just fine. If you really feel that way and you feel like you've, it just came out wrong, you know, <laughs> you, you, you realize it really uh, didn't sound right or wasn't quite what you meant or something. Um, but, you know, you're right. We have to be honest as, as teachers, as friends, as fellow artists, all those things. We may say hard things. Um, we may say things that people struggle with uh, but I suppose it's it's respectful to do that and not always be afraid somebody can't handle it if you do give them some kind of honest uh, criticism right. or that you have a problem with them. If you just assume that they're going to freak out or they're going to break down or something, uh, I, you know, you might be surprised that they... And and we've we've all received things like that that maybe in the initial impact it was hard and maybe you said oh oh wow I feel really bad that this person said this to me and but it leads to some self reflection and it leads to well why why did they say that what you know maybe it's not one hundred percent true but there's some issue there that they would say that well and negative feedback or negativity affects us so much more than the positive things. <laughs> yeah. That's really odd when you think about it. Yeah. So I, I, I think that maybe a good rule of thumb is to, to try to say three or four good things <laughs> for every bad thing you have to say about anything yeah. when you're giving personal critique, um, either as a friend or on a creative yes. project or a, a painting. Yeah. And that's a, that's a, you know, a good standard approach. Um, but all of that has to be honest. And that, I think that can be hard when, a situation is difficult and you think, well, I honestly have to say some good things here too. And you're upset or maybe, you know, you just have a really bad reaction to something. That's a real challenge. (laughs) But I think it does, it does work because you, then you feel if you're receiving that, you feel like somebody is at least taking the time to understand a little bit more about what you're doing, what your intentions are, where you're coming from. Um, and I don't know, it, it's all, it's all very, um, individualized with how people respond, maybe hardest with people you don't know very well, which is often the situation when you're teaching, 
uh, mentoring or critiquing, uh, you don't really know the person. And so it, 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 I guess what you try to do is avoid being too generic and just you do try to dig in a little bit and, and try to find out what their thoughts are. Yeah, if you don't if you don't do something spontaneous and different, then people don't pay any attention to you. Right. <laughs> right. You don't want to just sit there and say the same things you've said twenty times or platitudes or anything. It has to be uh in the moment. And I one of the hardest things for people when they communicate is to absolutely pay attention to the other person, to be to really be present with them. And I think then that words do come more easily. And and I can I felt at times when I was talking one on one with somebody about their artwork, like in a workshop, um, I usually I usually have these one on one sessions with people, and there's usually a point where I feel like maybe at the first it's kind of a little bit you know chit chat, tell me about your work, whatever, just kind of getting to know the person for a few minutes, and then you start to enter this deeper level. And it's almost like this kind of laser beam in the air between you. you know? And I love that. I love that feeling of that. That is one thing I, I truly miss about not uh, teaching in person is that ability to just sit with someone and talk and look at their work. Well, and so much of communication is nonverbal. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. to have that that level of connection with somebody, it's, yeah. very, it's very hard to do uh, without a, a personal interaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Well, I we both wanted to talk about this today, and this was really something you brought up, Ross, that this would be a good topic. And I think we, we were not aiming to um, add to anyone's anxiety about saying the wrong thing. No, no. We have all done that, and we've all said the wrong thing. Um, but I think that to acknowledge that we can also try harder to say the right things, to think about how we can encourage other people, um, express appreciation, and have, I don't know, just think about what other people are hearing a little bit more uh, and try to give them something a little bit more meaningful when you when you talk to them. Um, and I think also to to try to have a new way of thinking about the negative things that other people have said to us. Because, um, first of all, you know, it, it it is really hard to always say the right thing at the right time. So um, people may say things because of mostly if it's truly negative, it's not about you, you know, and that is really hard to understand. But um, most of us have dealt with situations where there was some big negativity coming at us and to realize that, well, that's really kind of originating in that other person. Uh and also, you know, to be open to if there is something that you need to know. Um, but anyway, I, I think I think the ultimate thing is to kind of um, treasure the positive words that we've had in our lifetimes and, and try to give more of those to other people. All right. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please check out www.messystudiopodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. For more from Rebecca Kroll, please check out www.rebeccacroll.com and Cold Wax Academy at www.coldwaxacademy.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. The Messy Studio podcast is a core publication management production. 
Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.